Welcome to episode 18 of the Archapreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and once again, I'm here with an amazing guest. This guy's artwork is insane. I mean, I personally love this shit. I wish you could, you know, send me one in the mail, have like a Art of the Month Club or something. Uh, he is out of the San Francisco area, and he shares with us his struggles and ups and downs and everyday life of being a visual artist and trying to make it. Uh, he gets into some of his favorites like Picasso, Van Gogh, his influences, and then all these different ways to generate income and survive as an artist, including dumpster diving for plywood to paint on. I'm not kidding. It's all interesting, and you don't want to miss it right now on The Archapreneur Now. And I do want to apologize because we did have a lot of technical difficulties with our connection. So some parts go in and out, but bear with me. It's worth listening to, and everybody check out his artwork. Here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? And get on with your bad self. He's been all over the map, but now he's found his place in San Francisco, California. He's a visual artist and one of my personal favorites. His work is unbelievable. Everybody put it together and give a warm welcome to Derek. Havlicek! Derek, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Derek is a artist out of the San Francisco, California area, and he is going to share all of his ups and downs with our listeners today. Um, so, Derek, are you, are you ready to get a little bit heady? Yeah, let's, let's give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we like to start the show off with a little segment called The Breezy Three so that the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Um, so what are your three favorite creative works? Uh, I would say uh, Golconda. Uh, anything that Pollock did during the Blue Poles period when he stopped titling things, I thought was pretty amazing. And then definitely uh, Picasso's Girl Before Mirror, really. Uh those would be the three that spring quickest to mind. Great, man. Who are your three biggest role models? Well, I would I would definitely put Van Gogh up top, mostly because he you know never made any money off of artwork, and he he painted hundreds of paintings uh, and did it out of the love of it rather than you know trying to make a fortune doing so. Uh, put Picasso up there just because of how. He's he uh, I guess along with Chris uh, and and George Brock sort of changed the way the art was viewed. Uh, phenomenally talented as he was younger and sort of a, a trash for being a kid could do that you know once he got into his later stages. And I really like what Gerhard Richter is doing right now, which is uh, it's nice to have one living role model, I guess. But uh, yeah, those would be my three, I guess.
What, what would you say your top three items on your bucket list are? Oh, man. Uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but paint a self-portrait. I've never done it, uh, at oh, least yeah. not realistically. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I get started, I just I, I, I myself uh, a, a, a boring dick, which, but uh, that's one of the things. Uh, every so often, I run into some uh, life experience that I didn't know was on the bucket list, and uh, it's... Uh, it's something I can check off and didn't even know I wanted to do it. Uh, for instance, a few years ago, I had a snowball fight in a hundred degree weather, which, <laughs> is, yeah, but, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I'd like to, uh, go to the Louvre, you know, I've never been to Europe, you know, uh, and I, I'd love to have a, uh, a solo show at, a you know, uh, one of the top galleries like MoMA or something like that. in, in either, either coast, um, but yeah, those would probably be up there. Yeah, that would be fantastic, man. I'd love to go to Europe as well. There's so much history and, and art and oh, all the architecture. My gosh. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, now we're going to get kind of into the core questions. Uh, so we're going to get a little bit funky here. All right. Uh, but before we start on that, I was scrolling on your Facebook page earlier, and I saw that you posted a little uh, blurb, and it said, there are 1,500 newspapers, 1,100 magazines, 9,000 radio stations, 1,500 TV stations, and 2,400 publishers owned by only six corporations. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? That's, uh, it's ridiculous and disheartening. Uh, oh, my it, God. It makes you wonder uh, if we're ever getting the information that is you know, required or if we're just you know, being fed what they want us to hear, which sounds... Oh, yeah. Conspiracy theorist, but it's also you know if you look at the facts, it's kind of weird. No, it's I mean also, I think you know, that's a lot of that's what's happening. Definitely, yeah. it's, it's scary. also yeah. It's, it, why why is a uh, a fight about Beyonce news? I don't care. Like you know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I had that conversation the other day with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they if people would just put their celebrity magazines down and start caring about things that mattered in the world, we'd all get along probably a, a hell of a lot better. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, h- how great does it feel to just jump away from the corporate empires and just create something for yourself? I mean, it's it's something that uh, is definitely disheartening, and it, it just makes you feel that much better when you're not a part of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, when I was younger, art. I wanted to be an artist, uh, like really young. I would say like, you know, five to seven. I think once my parents sort of uh, saw some talent uh, in me, which, you know, talent's a strange word, but, you know, uh, I had the drive to do it. Uh, but as I got older, especially uh, when you discover girls, you find out that girls like money and <laughs> artists don't make any. <laughs> and, uh, you know, your parents ask you to figure out a fallback plan and that sort of thing. And so I looked into like, oh, maybe I want to be an optometrist. They make money. And uh, and you find out you have to take a bunch of biology classes. And uh, I eventually decided I wanted to do film and uh, spent some time in high school learning uh, the ins and outs of television production and, and won a couple of awards doing that. And then when I went off to college, uh, I picked a school I wanted to go to. 
proposed to us that was you know great at film and it was like restarting my junior high school again so i had switched to uh, communications and i really just dropped out of college and it was several years uh into my 20s before i uh rediscovered uh, my, my love for painting was rekindled and i've really never looked back since well when you got into uh, your 20s can you hear me all right yeah absolutely when you got into your twenties and you made that switch back to painting, you know what was what was kind of the turning point that triggered that? Uh, I d- dated a girl who uh, saw my sketchbooks and said I needed to paint, and <laughs> I had always sort of sketchbooks around and just you know doodled in my free time and that kind of thing. And then uh, she uh, was she was very bare bones. She uh, would go dumpster diving and find giant pieces of plywood and, and we'd stretch, uh, or not even stretch, we would just lay uh, old sheets over them and staple them to the back and then use latex uh, wall paint to make his uh, make gesso almost and sort of go from there. And so it was the first chance I'd ever have to paint on something that size. Uh, so we're doing like, you know, three, three foot by four foot works and it cost us literally nothing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, it was, uh, it was that and her sort of pushing me and like, uh, being rewarded by having other people see it and, uh, going, I know I'm doing something great and I was having a great time doing it. And, uh, to this day, there's nothing that makes me happier than, you know, having paint all over my hands. Um, I mean, I'm just like, I'm like a kid with a finger paints, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, finding that thing that makes you happy and, uh, not caring, you know, about the rest of it, you know, uh, and that's definitely what made me sink into it again. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, dumpster diving and uh, that that's getting creative on its own. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people's hang up with art, uh, especially you know, the Sunday painters and uh, is they see it as this giant expense to start out. And that was probably one of the things that kept me from trying to do oils or anything like that. Uh, before that uh and she just if if you don't think about the the materials you don't feel like you have to create a masterpiece and so there are no rules and it's it's it it really opened my eyes to like it's everything's possible you know Uh, you just have to want to go out and do it i mean if you think uh basquiat painted on doors that he found around the neighborhood you know that were thrown away so uh and those are you know those are going for millions of dollars now. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, so it was, it was just, just having someone push me and, uh, having it sort of be uh, one of those things that like, you know, the, the initial cost doesn't matter. It's putting paint on canvas. You know, it's, it's making an image out there, you know? Oh, definitely. Well, what do you think your ultimate long-term goal is? Uh, I think probably the same as every artist, and that's to be able to completely fund myself on my art. Uh, I, I do still have a day job. Uh, uh, it's entertaining, and I work with a bunch of artists, uh, but like none of us <laughs> makes a living solely on our art. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd all love to. But also, San Francisco is not the cheapest city in the world to live in, and uh, we're all kind of scraping our way to spy. But... Uh, I really wouldn't have it any other way, you know. What do you think some of the ways that you generate income through your art are? Well, I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to have a couple shows here, and uh, been able to sell things uh, to um, to an amazing uh, array of people. 
but also there's uh, you know there's easier ways to do it. There's also you know, you can make prints uh, and sell them cheaply and uh, generate some income that way. Uh, sketches. There there are group shows you can participate in. Uh, I have a friend that just did a group show with uh, uh, flattened uh, PBR cans. I want to say. <laughs> that they like 40 people paint from around the country painted different PBR cans. So it's another thing with like cheap materials that you know can produce some revenue. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, and there's art contests you can always enter, and there's uh, always a chance to like get your art up somewhere. Uh, San Francisco is a pretty great town as far as uh, everyone sort of wants art in their buildings. Uh, so bars, restaurants are like great ideas or great avenues where you can, uh, put your art up, uh, and sell it at, you know, a place that's not a gallery, you know? Yeah. I was just down in new Orleans and, and sitting in some of those restaurants, man, they did that. And some of them had skateboards with paintings on the back of them, just all over the wall. Uh, just different style artists that were decorated throughout all the restaurants. And I mean, I was tempted to buy a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, normally that's more reasonably priced stuff than what's in the gallery. And most of it, at least uh, in most cases, if not all of it is going to go to the artist as opposed to the gallery. Uh, a lot of galleries take a big cut, uh, especially if it's a solo show, they're going to, they're going to take a, a large cut out of the, uh, the actual sale price. How large of a cut do they take like percentage wise? Uh, depends on the gallery, uh, and uh, it's pretty standard to do twenty or more. Uh, wow. Right around right around Man. forty is uh, yeah, forty is kind of ridiculous. But um, uh, anything more than twenty, I think, is is ridiculous. Uh, but there are galleries that like uh, charge you to be on the wall, and then take a, a cut that could be up to eighty percent. And so you should always avoid those. Uh, there's pretty good books available to. Uh, that list galleries uh, as far as you know what their uh, requirements are, what sort of art they're looking for, and you can sort of match yourself up with uh, the right gallery that way. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, what what kind of habits have you put into development so that you can stay focused on on reaching that long term goal of being able to do art full time? Uh. It's, uh, I mean, I try to create something every day, uh, and a lot of times, especially when you work in a day job, you you have to make time for it. And uh, you, if you have a big project you're trying to put together, you may not have enough time to focus on that project, but at least you can crank out something creative. Mm-hmm. And if it if if it's not going to help or work with that project, it might you know you might have a future project that those ideas can. Or even those those may even be able to bring new projects to light just in in your random sketches or or small paintings that you can get done. Just if you can devote like a couple hours a day, it's it's it goes a long way to helping uh, stockpile a uh, a show. And uh, if it, even if it can't go with the uh, the current show you might be working on or the current project you might be working on down the road, you'll find some use with it. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, when I do websites, if I can get a couple hours a day working on them, you can beast out so much more on production. And it's it's all about the persistence there. And, you know, even when you read a book, you know, if you read 10 pages a day for a whole year, you can read uh, 10 200-page books or something. Um, uh, yeah, in order to grow a tulip, you have to first, you know, compile a compost heap. 
And so you, if you produce a lot of bad things, those are your, your compost, and then eventually the beauty will spring out. <laughs> so uh, you got to give yourself permission to make garbage. Yeah, there's a quote I uh, saw earlier today, and it's they actually say time changes things, but you actually have to change them yourself, and that's an Andy Warhol quote. And yeah. it's just it's so true in a sense because time does change things, but they are not the changes that we desire. So if you really want to change your situation and build that passionate life that we all dream about, you have to start with changing yourself and your habits. And it's Absolutely. not it's not the easiest thing to do. You know, you have to commit, you have to work hard, you have to fail and fail again and fail again and keep on pursuing. But persistence is definitely your best friend. And you have to focus on that life that you visualize every single day and take a step forward with every opportunity that arises. And it, you know, it, if you only do things that you feel like doing, you're never going to accomplish very much. Uh, so oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing worth doing is easy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So if you could spend one hour creating something with anybody from the past or present, uh, who would it be and, and what would you create? I uh, I would love to paint with Basquiat because that guy was phenomenal, uh, and he painted fast, and he he like it didn't seem like he had an internal sensor when he painted. Uh, that goes, oh no, that stroke's bad. And he would just fire it with stuff, and it's uh, <laughs> the I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the work that he he made with Warhol. Actually, they did a, a sort of joint venture where they were painting on these gigantic like ten ten foot tall canvases and uh the the art critics at the time when the the show came out just panned it and i thought it was phenomenal but uh i would i would love to paint with that guy oh yeah what's the biggest uh, canvas you've ever painted on uh the biggest i've ever done is uh four feet uh i haven't done anything mural size just yet and uh with limited space and uh, uh limited transportation it's uh it out of necessity uh i've never really seen myself as a muralist but man it'd be some fun yeah your your paintings are ridiculous so and it's right on my i I love them and uh you know my favorite artist is stanley donwood i you're probably familiar with him i actually know i'm gonna have to look he's he's the guy that does all the radiohead artwork oh yeah absolutely uh yeah when you were having you know, a rough day, you're going through a rough, rough patch like everybody does, uh, not just artists, but most entrepreneurs. And, you know, it happens all the time. How do, how do you go about relieving the stress personally and getting yourself back on track? Uh, sometimes it's just putting it all away. Uh, uh, and not, and it, it's kind of like what I said before about building a compost heap, but it's also, you know, just get out of the studio, take a walk. Uh, go look at somebody else, uh, have a conversation, uh, walk around the neighborhood, you know, and, or even like go find some art to look at. Uh, uh, or if you're a musician, go, go hear a band, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, so, so when you hit those stumbling blocks, you'll, you'll see somebody to steal from, uh, as you know, Picasso said, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're just sort of, uh, it's like a, a jazz musician riffing off of another guy's uh, uh, melody, you know. So it's so uh, you go out and you find other things to to spark your interest, and you can. I mean, you can get to a point where you come back and you 
completely pay on the idea you're working on because the next idea is so much better. Uh, uh, I know a lot of uh, my friends and family uh, have seen me uh, paint in progress, and one of the most annoying things that they find that I do is I will find a painting that I'm not enjoying and I will paint over it completely and uh, just start something new. But uh, sometimes I have to do that in order for, for me personally to get back on track is I just have to destroy whatever it was and create a whole new idea. But yeah, that, taking a walk, uh, going to see somebody else, like that, that always works. All right, Derek, what's the best creative idea that you have that you'll probably never use? Uh, <laughs> I have been kicking around an idea for probably a decade of a painting that you can see from a single vantage point that is made up of small and large canvases spread across a giant room. So it's a painting that you can actually walk through. Oh, and wow. the absolute scope and the mathematics required to make this work, because uh, I'm terrible with math, uh, make it so that I will probably always have this on the back burner, but never actually uh, execute it. Uh, it's just, uh, and having the space to do it. Uh, I don't have a, a giant studio right now. And uh, uh, in order to work up to something that large, I'd have to have a, a large amount of success somewhere else. But uh, you know, I've just had the idea of the, you should have an empty frame at one end of a room and then canvases spread out on podiums that sort of fill up the frame. If you look at it from the frame vantage point. Uh, and so you would actually be able to walk through the pieces of the painting, but, yeah. uh, yeah, that's the yeah. one thing I'll probably never. Is, is that something that has been done that you've seen, or is that something that you've just thought up in your head? No, it's, it was something I thought up, uh, based on, uh, uh, when I was taking a break from painting, uh, looking across the garage I was painting in at the time. Uh, and just seeing how two or three paintings sort of matched up to form an image uh, in different areas of the, the, the garage studio that I had and got the idea from that and tried to think of how it could be used in, in great scope. And the idea sort of hit me and I kicked it around for a while and I, I've told two or three people about this and I've never, I, I've actually tried to like sketch it out on paper how it could be done and then i realized the math what was involved but like, yeah it's just one of those things that's always in the back of my head if uh if i ever want to like embark on a huge project i think you should do it man <laughs> i would love to do it <laughs> yeah just just uh just start working on it a little bit at a time and see if you uh, can't get i should probably together. start on a small scale uh yeah. and just do a bunch of very small paintings and see if i couldn't knock that out and uh and then work my way to the one you could actually walk through. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, could could give you the green light to the big success, you know, and come up with something that hasn't really been done before. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'd love to be able to execute something like that. You're right. I should try that. Yeah. Next I project. I don't see why not, you know. <laughs> this next question is my favorite. Uh, oh, all, no. <laughs> and, you know, the answers are always fantastic. <laughs> so if if you had to battle Godzilla, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big bastard? Oh man, I'm still stumped by this one. Uh <laughs> I thought maybe I'd like get a boombox like John Cusack and say anything and just play black eyed peas at him until he killed himself. <laughs> but uh uh 
don't know. That's almost like what the government would do, you know. So uh, <laughs> how would I do it? Oh, I'd paint smaller and smaller Tokyo until he goes into the ocean trying to stomp them all down. Smaller and smaller what? Tokyos. <laughs> Let's make the smaller and smaller models of Tokyo or larger and larger ones until he finally goes into the ocean. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. I like the John Cusack too. Black Eyed Peas to Death. I mean, that's probably something that happens pretty often. I think they tried that at Waco. They tried it at the Super Bowl <laughs> once too. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> I think it worked a few. T- I think it worked for a few hundred thousand people. <laughs> Genocide at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So, do you, do you have any favorite advice, uh, resources, or tools that you think could be of value to our listeners? Uh, advice, uh, advice, uh, I would definitely say Vonnegut, uh, has one of my favorite of all time about being a creator. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to paraphrase this without, uh, horribly, uh, uh, ruining what he said. And basically his, his, his quote is that the art was not a way to make a living. It was like a, a way to make your parents mad if you didn't have the balls to be gay. And, uh, uh, practicing art, no matter how bad or how well, uh, is a great way to make your soul grow, I think he said. And that you should do it as well as you possibly can. And you'll get an enormous reward that you have created something into the world that didn't exist. And like that in and of itself is the reward. Uh, and that's what I think of with art. And uh, anytime uh, someone else is struggling, I can use that as, you know, well, dude, Vonnegut told, told you to make bad art. Yeah. But uh, uh, as far as resources, there is a new startup um, website uh, designed for people who create things uh, called, oh, man, I'm trying to, Patreon, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, Patreon. Other looking website that's in uh, contact with uh, people who want to become patrons of them. And um, you can support artists every time they make work and choose different fundings. Uh, like, for, for instance, uh, if you're supporting someone who makes uh, videos on, and posts them on the internet, every time they post a video, you can pay, like, sign up to pay them a dollar. And then the artist gets a check once a month. Uh, you can do it for people who do comics, people who do. Uh, artwork, people who do music, and it, it's a really fascinating concept that I'd love to see take off. Yeah, that is. It's kind of different. You know, I've heard of all these crowdfunding sites, but that's that's cool. Yeah, it's know, sort it's, of uh, it sort of it takes the sort of Indiegogo slash Kickstarter idea and onto rewarding someone every time they make work rather than getting them up to a huge goal to make one big piece or like, uh, like I have a friend right now in Nashville who's trying to record an album. So like she's trying to raise five grand, but like if she could write a song and every time she posts a song online, get paid a buck, I think more people would be willing to donate. Uh, and especially, uh, because the artist is going to be able to, uh, interact directly with the patrons. Uh, you'd have a chance to not only see what they work, uh, what what work they produce, uh, but comment immediately on it and get feedback immediately from the artist, which uh, and you can uh, egg them on too. You can encourage the artist that way. 
And, yeah. uh, so if you if you have an account on there and you post, say you're a musician and you post a song, and you have a hundred people that are signed up, you get a hundred dollars every time you post a song. Uh, it's not every time they pay you. I think at the at the end of the month. So based on how many songs there, you released, there's a few different ways that it's set up, uh, and uh, uh, it can, you can easily like go to Patreon.com and like look over the way it's set up. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll try to describe it as best as I can here. Um, it's a uh, you can support by by work uh, as a patron, which uh, so for each song someone posts, you you would give them a dollar, or five dollars, or twenty dollars, whatever you have it set up to do, or you can just support them monthly. Uh, and you can set up to say, oh, I want to give this person 20 bucks a month because I like what they're doing and I'd like to see them continue to be able to do it. Gotcha. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, I think it's just a great idea and I'd love to see it take off. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea. And I have not heard of that before, so I'll have to check yeah, into I, that. So it's I honestly, <laughs> Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Okay, that, uh, and that link will be on the show notes on the website too, along with all this other information. So Awesome, awesome. All the users can get a hold of it, and also they'll be able to get a hold of your contact information. So, how can our listeners find you or get in contact with you if they need to, or they want to check out your artwork? Uh, for right now, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Uh, uh, Facebook, uh, I guess I guess you search for uh, Derek Havlicek, uh, and then uh, I have a I have an Instagram that I hardly use, uh, where I'm uh, at Derek Joseph on that. Uh, but, uh, as soon as I get the Patreon site up and running, I'll, uh, I'll send you that information too. We can add that to it. Yeah. Uh, we'll throw that link up there as well. Yeah. Uh, I also have an old deviant art, uh, website, uh, but I, I, again, haven't updated that in probably a couple of years. So like that's, you'd only see old stuff there. Yeah. I used, I used to use deviant art. Yeah. I just, I just don't like the way it's set up. <laughs> oh, it was built terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought about it in a while. Yeah. So, well, Derek, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I cannot wait to to post all this information and, and get this episode up and live so people can come and check out your artwork. And I think that you provided so much value to the listeners. So thanks again for that. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate what you're doing. I think it's a great idea. Well, I appreciate that and, and just... Always remember to keep it heady. (laughs) I'll give it a shot. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A-R-T-S-Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.